Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Harper back with you. Wave 94 FM. And I am in the studio today with Jaworski Vance, my brother who does the Fathers, Brothers, and Sons podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Jaworski Vance. And I'm thrilled to be in the studio with my good friend, Bill Harper. Bill, thanks for having me. We have been talking about getting together and sharing our stories and our missions and our hearts for some time. And, you know, recently I started using the phrase with you, I see you. And you know what that means to me, Jaworski? It came from uh, the Wilbur Smith novels that I read about of the Maasai warrior tribes in Africa. And one of the characters was a white man who'd been raised in Africa, and one was a very honorable black warrior. And when they say, I see you, it means that I respect you. I have a code of honor I share with you. I have your back. You have mine. We will go to war together. If you're at war, I'm at war. I will defend you, give my life defending you. It's a very high calling to say, and I'm honored to say, I see you today, Jaworski. I appreciate that, Bill. And I see you, too. And thank you for turning me on to Wilbur Smith and the uh, Maasai tribe. I've learned a lot. My mission in this podcast of In Search of My Heart and also with the ministry Return to Glory really is to help up men find their hearts. And like I've said, when I get closer to finding my heart, I'm getting closer to finding the heart of God. It's all pointing me to the foot of the cross. And to, to reconcile uh, fathers and sons and families across racial divides, that's all an endeavor of the heart. Right. Yeah, I started FBS with that mission in mind, is to just draw men closer to God by drawing them closer to each other with a better awareness of self. So right. that's why I'm excited about you know, the time that we're sharing so that we can do just that, and that is draw closer to God through brotherhood. John Elder speaks of it a lot, the role of the Father in our lives. And so many of our dysfunctions and wounds come from a lack of a strong family or a lack of a fatherhood in our lives. I, I had a great father, but he died too early. Uh, and my mother died too early. So my wound was abandonment. And I went through all kinds of insanity trying to fill that void with something until on my knees in 2005, really, Jesus came in, uh, the Trinity came in and became that father figure that I, I knew I was loved and, and cared for and respected and cherished. And my abandonment wound was pretty much gone after that. Mm -hmm. You know, what's your experience? I had a similar experience. My dad killed himself a week before my ninth birthday. Ouch. So, you know, when something like that happens, shame and abandonment and a whole host of other feelings and emotions arrive. Probably the most uh, powerful one is anger towards God. Oh, you know, if I'm honest, I was just angry at God, questioning and challenging, you know, his existence. I would actually spend time sitting up in my room at night challenging God to prove that he was there because, wow. of, because of what happened with my dad. So Yeah. The classic case before all humanity is how can a good God allow these terrible things to happen? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. You know, when we don't have a good father in our lives, it blocks a huge river of validation in our lives. It seems like a young man, uh, we, we all have a question. We all want to be 
uh, successful. We want to go and do and accomplish and build and create. But really, you can boil the question down, as Eldridge says, to do I have what it takes in this world? Without that validation from the Father, you're never going to really get that, I think. Now, the earthly father is, at best, a broken example to affirm you that you have what it takes. But when I can get the heavenly father, when I can hear the heavenly father's voice, that we have what it takes, that's the place I'm looking for. You're right, man. That makes all the difference in the world. But I I would have to say, though, you know, getting some of it, even if the father is broken, is a good conduit for experiencing God's love firsthand. That's essentially how it's supposed to work, right? That's how God originally planned it when he formed man in the garden. The first Adam was supposed to represent the first father. And so when we miss out on that opportunity at a young age, it's really harder to cultivate that relationship with God. Mm. I mean, because you just, you don't know love. It reminds me of the scripture that says, how can you love a God that you don't see Wow! if you don't love your brother that you do see? And so it makes it difficult for children to love a God that they don't see when they don't have a father to love them. He can see. It's just a huge river of validation that's blocked and passed down from generations to generations, isn't it? The father who was absent from his son, who now is raised to be a father and is absent from his son. So it just keeps getting passed down. And that's what I'm so thrilled about your mission is let's undo that. Let's stop this tragedy. Let's inject fatherhood back into everyone. And I'm saying that that you don't, you know, you can be a weight on down the years and then find the Heavenly Father for that validation. So this fatherhood will block rivers of shame in our life. Shame being that point where we think we're unworthy of being loved or being valued, unworthy of any good gifts from God. Mm. Yeah, the validation and shame actually is one of the main reasons why I uh, was inspired to start Fathers, Brothers and Sons Uh because I suffered from that for so long. And God gave me a vision to fill the gap where fathers are missing. Wow. You know, because so many children, men, women are broken because the father just hasn't been around. Yeah. He actually gave me some biblical tenets to support the nonprofit. And one of them is uh, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow, defend the oppressed. Right. Right out of scripture. Yeah. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. You know, we spend a lot of time as believers. You know, we worship the Lord, but God has things that he wants us to do because fatherlessness is an issue. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And when we have people that are suffering from guilt, shame, lack of validation because their father isn't there, because they don't really know God the way that he is available, it's our responsibility as believers to step in and fill that gap. Not only where the biological father is missing, but really more so where the Holy Father is. Presence of the Holy Father, exactly. Exactly, right. I've been on a little exploratory journey about guilt and shame these days for a brief explanation. Guilt is a healthy contrition, uh, your conscience telling you that you've done something wrong or you're acting in a bad way, which leads to repentance, which leads to correction, which is a good thing. 
I have done a bad thing and I want to correct it. On the other hand, shame is this ugly thing that believes one is inherently bad. And with that unworthy, with that unworthy of any good gift or anything, and that becomes so toxic in someone's life. And we attach to shame so quickly and so easily if we can recognize that in our lives. I've got to tell you that I've heard in three different places now, the last one from you, of where to go in this racial reconciliation. I can't, I don't want to get involved in all this racist jargon and stuff. But one thing I do know is that I have no idea what it was like to grow up as a black man in the U.S. of A. And whatever notion I have was probably a lot worse. And I ask you this, what was it like to grow up as a black man in this country? It was tough, Bill. It, or let me say it is, because it's not over. I'm still here right. in this country. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard. Just kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation, you said, I see you. I see you. I see you. That's a powerful thing, you know, but unfortunately in America, most people don't see you. And, and let me just speak for me personally. Most people don't see me. I've got a depth of character to me that's a blessing from God that takes some time to get to know and black, white, green or purple. Yeah. It's just not something that is done with ease. Yeah. Unfortunately. And that's just me personally. But generally speaking, it's problematic because we've adopted some philosophies and beliefs about black people that are just not true. Correct. You know, we've kind of systematized ways to look at them, look yeah. at us. Yeah. And it's not accurate. You said something a minute ago about shame where people start feeling they're inherently bad, you know, unworthy, unworthy. Right. And that's really one of the that was one of the driving uh, mental mechanisms of slavery mm -hmm. is to make a man feel like. He was less than a man. Less than a man. And that problem still exists today. Degrading. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, you know, even some of my closest friends, you know, we want to believe everybody has some bias. You know, bias is just a part of natural part of human behavior and our upbringing. Unfortunately, it's so entrenched in our society. It's hard for us to see each other. It is. Regardless of the color, we're, we're so shallow. We don't want to engage <laughs> right. and learn other exactly. stories. We don't want to take time. It takes it takes effort. There's another biblical tenet that FBS is built on. It says, make every effort to maintain unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. Yes. Because unity in the spirit takes effort. Another scripture that supports that thought process is do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may test and approve what god's good pleasing and perfect will is for us exactly right and i so, have an addendum to that be transformed by the renewing of your heart mind soul and spirit i think the mind he talks about it as just he uses the word mind but the heart and the head and the soul and the spirit. Man, that's all something inside of us. I, I go for the heart a lot. We have to do that in order to maintain unity in the spirit, like yeah. you said, through the bond of peace. But if we're not willing to forego our 
shallow perspectives about what we've done historically. That's also why the scripture says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yes. We have access to the kingdom of heaven at any given point in time. But there must be a recognition of, hey, look, I was dead wrong in this area mm-hmm. in order to be able to see people clearly. I had to do it for you. How'd that work out? It's working. <laughs> I now have done it with you. And guess what? I see you, Jaworski. <laughs> and I so we're and moving I see. down the road. You know, this thing of unity, I, I've had a public statement I put out before, and it goes like this. And, and I was very troubled by where this country's going. And what I say is this. I said, look here, I don't care if you're red or blue, Democrat, Republican, black, white, brown, yellow, red, garnet, and gold. Doesn't matter what color you are. You're my neighbor because we are Americans. And as neighbors, we ought to treat each other with kindness and compassion. We ought to speak and act with integrity and wisdom. We ought to practice service and love. That's just for starters. Look here, my higher power, my savior does not live in Washington, D.C., certainly not at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but the way we treat our neighbors is a big deal to him, too. You know, after 9-11, this country came together because we realized we're under attack. I'm suggesting we're under attack again, but this time they're trying to divide us from the middle and side, along racial lines, along socioeconomic lines, they're trying to divide us. So my point is get to know your neighbor. I don't Mm. care what color he is. Get to know his story. Get to be his friend. Open up. Go Mm. deeper than Facebook and your cell phones. My mission, my feeling with you is to do exactly that. And now to open up to other people and find and hear their stories. That's where I'm here and we need to go as a nation. Meet your neighbors. Do you know who lives on either side of you? Mm -hmm. Right? That kind of idea. So I really like this idea of sharing our stories and seeing where we're going with this. Why do you think it's so hard to do? Why do you think it's so hard to love thy neighbor as thyself? Why is it so hard to meet our neighbor? Because we've lived our wonderful lives of isolation now. We're living in the suburbs or we've got our little cell phones. We've got our TVs to entertain us. We don't really choose to engage another person, right? Unless it's a work environment where you have to. Mm-hmm. I think we've been so isolated by the media and the social media. And the culture of getting to know another has been diminished over the years mm. we're, we're just an isolated probably more self-centered people we don't need to count on our neighbors to help us like in the old mm. days childbirth crop harvesting or for gosh sakes your house needs to be fixed or rebuilt or, or is on fire that's when you needed your neighbors all the time we don't need them now that's just one idea we become isolated let that not continue is my code is my hope mm. You know, I I go up to total strangers and say that public statement. And back when we were when my kids were around teenagers, they would be appalled that, Dad, you don't talk to strangers. And my statement was my reply was, yes, I do. So, yeah. Why is it so hard to do? Why are we so isolated? I don't know. But I know we are. Yeah, I agree. I think part of it has to do with accountability. A lot of times, just like even in our interactions, I've been challenged with some of my beliefs. Hmm. You know, my own personal prejudice and bias. And I think without knowing subconsciously, we all know that if I do get to know my neighbor better, 
it may reveal some darkness or shame or guilt in me yes. that I would rather not deal with. That's good. That's good. I remember when I first asked you what it was like to grow up black, you remember what you said? You said it was very lonely. Mm-hmm. And that you did feel unworthy just because of the nature of the culture that you were lacking, you were defective. Is, did, is that accurate? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Ralph Ellison wrote a book once about it. It's called The Invisible Man. Uh-huh. You know, it's something to walk through a parking lot and have people look at the ground. Because, I mean, I live in a nice part of town, so it's not a lot of black people where I live. And it's not the best feeling because I'm honestly I'm a modern day Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I like to play with puppets and draw and <laughs> entertain children, okay, <laughs> in a healthy way. And so it's uh, it can be lonely walking through a grocery store with people trying to avoid eye contact. You notice that then all the time. Wow, it's all the time. You know, I got to say, I do too. I'm an eye contact kind of person, and I, it is obvious when I look at somebody with, mm-hmm. with a several-second stare, and I don't get an eye contact, or when I do, it's an empty stare. You know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's something that Jesus says, that the, the light, the Spirit shines through the light of the eyes. Mm-hmm. How can I reach that person? What can I do? Light a candle instead of cursing the darkness. So here we are. I hope we're lighting candles for the world to understand how we need to meet our neighbors and put down any barriers that we have, not just skin color, but any sort of prejudice that we have Hmm. that we can learn to meet our neighbors. I think that's one of the reasons why the relationship with Jesus, God and Holy Spirit is so powerful, because it gives you a chance to be fully known and yet still fully loved. Because Jesus knows everything about us, and when you get to the point of how fully, unbelievably loved by God you are, that's so fulfilling. Right. That's so rich in a life. You know, contrast that. Our greatest fear would be that we're fully known and then unloved because of that others will discover things about us who don't see. That's our greatest fear. And then the opposite of that is to be unknown and loved, and that's just superficial. Mm. You know, it's not fulfilling at all. Right. And when we can get to the place where not just the Father, but also our brothers, when we're fully known and fully loved, now that, that reaches deep into my heart and lets me know it's just so good. Yeah, Don't you think? Yeah, yeah and, and, but the reason I was saying is because, you know, you were asking, what's it like to be black in America? And if you are spending your days feeling like you're invisible to the masses, not to everyone, but to the masses. But even in black culture, I'm still to some extent feel invisible because things that are important to me, love, joy and peace, aren't always important to everybody. Right. And so it it just becomes um, a challenge because you have relationships with your neighbors that are not as powerful as they could be or should be because the depth of knowing them doesn't exist. Mm. The depth of knowing me does not exist. Mm. You know, Mm. I I had a friend recently. (laughs) He's so funny. I hadn't talked to him in some time. 
I was outside working in my garden and he commented, he said, oh, I didn't know you garden. I said, yeah, there's a lot you don't know about me. And it's a sad reality for most of us. You know, there's a lot we don't know about each other. And we miss out on God's grace, God's compassion, his power. We miss out on the kingdom of heaven when we don't take time to know the people that are around us. That's why he said in the scripture on these two commandments, all the other commandments are based. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul and strength. We talked about that earlier. And love thy neighbor as thyself. Love and there's no there's no way to love your neighbor if you don't know them. That's right. How can you love somebody you don't know? That's impossible. Or like you said, it's just superficial. Yeah, and you, you ask why don't we know our neighbors? Because we're so busy. I've been told that I'm a pretty busy guy. Thank God I'm taking the time to get to know our neighbors and we just don't have time and it takes time. It takes valuing of getting to know them to do it. Uh, But we can probably open up in just a moment and and learn how to listen, listen to other stories, ask questions about their history. That's what I'm motivated to do here. And I hope this is to the listeners out there. I hope that the dialogue here between Bill and Jaworski has put a picture on the the isolation that we have across racial boundaries, across socioeconomic boundaries. And we need to begin to heal as a nation. I believe we need to come together and get to know each other better as neighbors because they're trying to drive us apart. If not just the fabric of the way of the society and the pace of life is isolating us. So let's take a step in that direction, don't you think, Jaworski? I think this is a good step, Bill. I think we need to continue to do what we're doing and just grow in our own brotherhood and whoever we can get to join us on the journey. Yes. Who the scripture said the earth is waiting with eager expectation. With eager expectation. For the sons of God to be revealed. The spiritual sons of God. We bands of brothers who have each other's backs, who know each other. And I heard a phrase the other day about how committed we are to a relationship to support another person and to say that in the battles we fight Jaworski, when you are at war, I am at war. Mm. I have your back. It's a treaty. It's a connection. And that is a big promise. And I'm making that to you today, which means you have to stay in touch with me when you have problems and let me know that you got rounds in. No, no, I'm not letting you know my business. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I I really appreciate you for uh, doing just that, you know, locking arms with me to uh, complete this journey. That means a lot to me. You know, all things considered, that's the one thing that's going to break the yoke of bondage on this country. You know, when it comes to race and reconciliation and then just really true freedom. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, uh, true freedom can only be experienced where the spirit of the Lord is. Right. I have such respect for you for what you're doing and the way you've approached this uh, opening of doors. And I know that this connection that God put before us has a purpose and a reason. So I'm looking forward to whatever unfolds there. 
how often have I realized that, that I was worried about too many tasks and material things and whatever it was, flying jets in the military and the airlines, and I realized that I have missed out on relationships. Mm. And that is where my heart is going now, and I'm trying to make up for lost time. And <laughs> deeper relationships with my brothers and, and, and my friends and people in my church. So this is just one more stake in the ground that I really value where we're going with this. Jaworski, I see you. I appreciate that, Bill Harper. I see you, too. I see you, too. So this is two guys seeing each other. This is Bill Harper and Jaworski Vance coming to you on Wave 94 FM and both of our podcasts. Thanks for joining in. Have a great week. Bye-bye. What I need never changes From the breaking of the morning To the breaking of my heart You are good Through every season When the summer sun is shining When the winter road is hard You are my one